Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the May 17th, 2023, 174th edition, always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield News and your Memorial Day weekend weather forecast. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. ACLU fires warning shot at Mansfield ISD. Mansfield man shoots sleeping son and stepdaughter in the heat of a domestic dispute. Innovation Corridor passes first reading. We'll talk about it in a moment with the mayor. Local nonprofit receives sizable donation. Feed the Kids for Summer starts this week. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve talks with Dr. Tanja Grimble about a new esports center coming to Mansfield. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, And I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we've been caring for our home team for over 15 years. Today, you'll find award-winning physicians on the medical staff, advanced neurosurgery, a level three trauma center, critical care for newborns, and comprehensive orthopedic care. Methodist Mansfield, delivering the care our friends, neighbors, and home team depend on. That's community, and why so many people trust Methodist. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. Hi, this is Mansfield ISD Superintendent Dr. Kimberly Cantu, and you're listening to About Mansfield. The Mansfield ISD School Board passed the first reading of a proposed policy change in the way library books are handled, essentially removing the approval process from the individual librarians and running all books, whether they are existing or new purchases, through the hands of the trustees. The Texas chapter of the ACLU addressed a letter to the trustees and Superintendent Dr. Kimberly Cantu dated May 16th. The last line of that letter states, We urge you to uphold the principles of the First Amendment and federal anti-discrimination law and not further demonize or stigmatize your district's LGBTQ plus youth. We would be happy to discuss these legal issues further and appreciate your time and attention to this matter. The second and final reading on the district policy is said to be in early June. With us on the phone to give us some more legal clarification is ACLU attorney Chloe Kempf. Welcome to About Mansfield. Thanks so much for having me. Chloe, let's get right down to business. If the book policy passes here in the Mansfield School District, will the ACLU be pursuing legal action against Mansfield ISD? Right. Right now, we have all of the options on the table 
from litigation to a um, federal government complaint to further monitoring of the situation. So right now the, the options are open. Is there a way you can provide me with numbers of districts across the state that have engaged in the strategies of limiting access to books or any other materials? I don't know if I can give you a hard number, but what I will say is that we are noticing that this is a very concerning trend across the state. I can name, for example, Granberry ISD removed a number of books that dealt with LGBTQ issues, racial issues. Keller ISD, as another example, put forth and passed a policy very similar to the policy passed on first reading, I should say. And a variety of other school districts have done uh, very similar book removals, um, either targeting books because they touch on race and racism or LGBTQ issues. And how has the ACLU been handling the other school districts? So in both Granberry ISD and in Keller ISD, we filed complaints with the Federal Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights, alleging that the book removals violated federal anti-discrimination law, in this case, Title IX. Yeah. And uh, the government is already moving forward with the investigation into Granberry ISD, and our complaint in Keller is still pending at this time. Other school districts, we've written letters similar to the one that we wrote to Mansfield ISD, kind of as an educational tool, and some have put books back on the shelves. I would assume the Department of Education Office of Civil Rights is going to get busy because they're also involved in the Georgia Public School Districts as well, uh, which just came out last week. Yes, that was um, an encouraging case for us because it shows that the federal government is taking this issue extremely seriously, and they see the problem as we see it, which is that when a school removes books, that, you know, out of a hostility toward their LGBTQ students or out of a hostility to the concept of gender identity, it is not only deeply harmful, but it's also illegal. You mentioned in an earlier answer uh, Title IX. Can you explain to my listeners what Title IX is and how it applies to this case? Certainly. So Title IX is the federal anti-discrimination law um, that governs discrimination in schools. And it says that schools may not discriminate on the basis of sex. Um, And that's been interpreted to mean on the basis of sex, but also sexual orientation and gender identity. And like you mentioned in the Georgia case and in the Granberry ISD case, the legal theory is that by removing these books that are about race or about LGBTQ issues, the school district is actually discriminating against its students because by removing these books, it creates a very hostile atmosphere for, for instance, LGBTQ students by sending them a message that something about your existence is so shameful and worthy of censorship that we are purging any uh, mention of, of your identity from our school. 
And that message uh, can be deeply harmful to those students and also to the student body as a whole. Chloe, I got to ask you now, speaking because I'm a taxpayer and actually quite a few, quite a few homeowners here in, in Mansfield are taxpayers who pay into the school district. Who covers the attorney's fees? And I, I, I'm not looking for an exact amount, but maybe a guesstimate of the cost to litigate such a case for a school district. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't have an exact number, but that, that can be tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and the school district is public. So at some point that would trickle down to the taxpayer. Yeah. Um, and you know, these fights can be long or short. Um, but either way, uh, it's going to be an unnecessary expense when the law and just kind of what's best for the students is so clear um, that this is easily avoided. Um, and as for the expense, I'll also point out that when the government, the Office for Civil Rights, um, is investigating a Title IX violation, a school's federal financial funding is on the line. So if the federal government finds that a school district is violating these laws and refuses to rectify the situation, their uh, federal financial assistance can be retracted, which, again, will be another expense for the more state and local um, tax bases to pay. And then would the district also be on the lam if uh, if the district loses this uh, court case? Do they have to cover the court costs, including opposing attorney's fees? That's a, that's a possibility, for sure. All right. Some parents have expressed frustration that there are few vehicles for effecting change to school boards that support these uh, book-limiting processes or policies. For example, district parents cannot recall school board members, and district elections are near impossible to implement without legal action. What options are there for parents in MISD if they choose to effect changes on the board composition? You know, I was so inspired by watching the parents and the students that came to speak at the first school board meeting last week. Um, and I think advocacy like that is underrated, but extremely necessary to keep pressure on school boards across the state to do the right thing. I think we hear a lot from a very vocal minority, but we know that most Texas parents believe that conversations about these issues like sexual orientation and race and gender identity are essential for our kids to learn about themselves and to learn about history and to develop a sense of empathy. So I would say to district parents is keep showing up and keep the pressure on and be vocal about your values and the information that you want your kids to have access to. And then I would say the next level after that is run for school board. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, uh, you know, need these parents that, you know, represent a Texas majority view about free flow and access to information and independence to uh, represent their community. Right. Has the ACLU been successful in overturning uh, any of these policies around the state? So right now, I mean, it's the, the wave is, is fresh, I would say. So we're kind of at the at the stage where we're starting the fights and we're digging in. Um, I would say it is a 
victory that the federal government is has opened a formal investigation into Granberry ISD. And based on the results of the um, investigation in Georgia, um, I think that's pretty encouraging for that investigation. Um, but we, we're going to keep at it um, and keep uh, monitoring all of these districts. It's tough because there are so many, yeah. um, but I encourage any listeners you know, if your school district is considering something similar, please contact us um, at the ACLU of Texas. And then again, on behalf of the district, it's it. This is not a cheap endeavor. <laughs> no, it's you know it's financially expensive, but it's also expensive in in the way that it causes harm um, to its student body, and that's something that really can't be put in uh, a dollar amount. But it's something that's very powerful and and very damaging to young minds. Chloe, is there anything that I missed or anything you want to conclude with? I I don't think so. I just want to reiterate that banning books out of hostility toward LGBTQ people is not only harmful, but it is illegal. And public schools cannot discriminate against students on the basis of their race, sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity. And that's something that I know the federal government is acknowledging quite strongly at this time. It's ACLU attorney Chloe Kempf. Uh, Chloe, appreciate you being on About Mansfield. Thank you. Thanks for having me. About Mansfield reached out to the school district for comment regarding the ACLU letter that they received. And in a statement received Tuesday morning, their comment was, quote, given that the district is in the midst of the policy review process, we are not in a position to discuss the letter. A Mansfield middle school teacher has been charged with three counts of aggravated assault after police say he assaulted his wife before he shot his sleeping son and stepdaughter last week. According to the Mansfield Police Department, officers were dispatched to Arabian Court shortly before 11 p.m. Police said when officers arrived, they determined that the incident began as a domestic dispute, during which the husband argued with his wife and proceeded to assault her. The husband, identified as 52-year-old Thomas Boykin, then grabbed his gun, went into his 13-year-old son's bedroom, and shot him while he was sleeping. He then went into his 21-year-old stepdaughter's bedroom and shot her. Police said Boykin's wife was able to escape the home and his stepdaughter was able to call 911. Both gunshot victims were transported to Medical City Arlington by Mansfield paramedics and have undergone surgery. Police said Boykin was taken into custody without incident and was transported to the Everman Jail, where he was charged with three counts of aggravated assault, family violence involving serious bodily injury. Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting on Monday evening. The following opinions of those of Michael Evans may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. And we say, as we do every other week... Top of the morning, Mr. And Mayor. top of the morning to you, my friend. Michael Evans is here, and y'all started at 3.30 in the afternoon with a work session talking priorities. Yes, sir. We started at 3.30. As you can tell, uh, we're starting earlier and earlier because we have more business to attend to in our growing city of over 
81,000 people. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about what took place in the afternoon work session. We did discuss our uh, council uh, 2023 priorities, and um, people are going to start to uh, see what our priorities are when you go to any of our uh, city-owned building, things of that nature. It's going to be right out in front of you. We talked about public safety as it concerns uh, our needs uh, for the um, police and fire department. You know, I don't know if people know, but a fire truck costs right at about $1.1 to $1.2 million. So uh, we are making plans to buy a new fire truck. And a. Uh, we also talked about a potential partnership with Tarrant Area Food Bank. Another a tidbit of information, we have over 10,000 uh, people in Mansfield who are eligible for uh, what they call SNAP benefits or food stamps back in the day is what they call it. But can you imagine 10,000 individuals? And uh, we appreciate all of the nonprofits who are doing the very best that they can uh, to uh, fulfill those needs. But um, uh, listen, you ask Lisa, folks like that at him and uh, uh, Carmen, people like like that, and they'll tell you that um, we still don't have enough resources to go around. So yeah. we're, we're fighting a good fight, and I appreciate counsel in that regard to look at that and know how important that is. In fact, we're going to hear from Carmen Harris uh, here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Seven o'clock after, uh, after dinner, you... Uh, you you took to city business, and there were three swearing-ins. You know what? We swore in three outstanding people, uh, Mr. Larry Brosh, of course, and uh, Brent Newsom. We welcome him back, and Todd Tenora. So, uh, you know, it, it was it was a good old family reunion. So yeah. we we did that, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're excited about getting to work. And, and also, uh, uh, Mr. Tenora was uh, reelected as our mayor pro temp, so it was good to to have him uh, as as uh, that person who stands in for me when I'm not uh, available. So uh, g- good, good stuff. The Citizen Planning Steering Committee, which is a group of of citizens here in the, in the city, uh, talking about the future of of Mansfield. They took a trip to where'd they go? Kentucky. They went to Louisville, Kentucky. They and then did. they came back and uh, reported <laughs> last night. Yes, they did. And Mr. Patrick Moses uh, served as the uh, spokesperson for the day. And um, we talked a bit about uh, the um, the trip that was taken to Kentucky to see a community called Norton Commons. And uh, it's just a when you think about Norton Commons, it is it is that old fashioned uh, neighborhood feel where you have people who are out and about. Um, you have the free range kids, as I call it, yeah. you know, because the, the community is all involved uh, in, in in just the activities that are taking place around them. You have amphitheaters, you've got your schools, you've got the YMCA. All of that is in the middle of the uh, neighborhood, and it's a walkable neighborhood. You know, it's it'll it'll take you back to um, I think Mayberry, RMD. Oh, you know yes. where. where where you have the houses pulled up closer to the sidewalk, which invites interaction. So, you know, uh, we did not have any negative comments from any person who uh, was on that trip. And it was it was something to behold. And we hope to bring it back to Mansfield. Now, the committee also discussed uh, what they call Urban 3, which is a study uh, of understanding the intersection of economics, economics rather, and land use. So um, it was a good report. 
Something that sounds really exciting. I know that uh, the, the the economic development uh, director, Jason Moore, uh, he has talked about this right here in the studio, the innovation corridor, and it, it's it's come up for its first reading. Yeah, it, it did come up for its first reading. Um, it, it's it's for a, pro, a uh, proposed zoning change along Heritage Parkway in between Highway 360 and 287. Now, this is for a mixed-use development that is a part of our vision for uh, innovation and an innovation corridor where you'll actually have, we'll have our first class A office building. Now think about it. Our first class A office building right there at that intersection there at 360 and 287. And and it's important to understand that that when you have class A offices, you're able to recruit uh, the the world-renowned companies uh, to our town. And you know what, Steve? Uh, I had the opportunity to participate in some uh, STEM competitions. I was a judge a couple of weeks ago with uh, MISD. And listen, hats off to the Mansfield Independent School District for the outstanding work that they do. But we have we have young people, we have students who's already talking about uh, the innovation uh, corridor. I mean, Interesting. these are students in our public school talking about it, and they even understand how important it is to have, if you would, uh, laboratories for uh, thinking of, of the, the next new thing and putting it into production. So, um, you know, it's exciting to start talking about it, and um, we're going to be moving dirt here real soon. It's another opportunity to live and work in the same city. Without a doubt, and create yes. things and create, yes. Let's talk about Crystal Windows. Yes, uh, we, we amended the um, economic development agreement with Crystal Window and Door Systems, and we know that this company is going to uh, build its regional headquarters right here in Mansfield, nice. and we're, we're really excited about them, having them as our uh, new neighbors in our community, and again, another employer. So um, they're going to uh, bring uh, several hundreds of jobs and uh, um, we know that our region is going to benefit from it. You concluded with nine items on the consent agenda. You don't need to go all through nine, but uh, <laughs> pick out the uh, pick out the nice ones. All right, let, let's let's pick yeah. out the nice ones. Let, let's try this one. We had a um, uh, okay. We'll we'll go here. A four hundred and forty thousand dollar contract for the construction of the Rustic Meadow Lift Station decommission. Doesn't that sound sexy? Then we had a, a seventy-seven thousand. $60 contract for uh, design services for the Harvest Point public infrastructure construction costs, and here we go, sanitary sewer analysis. There's another good Ooh, one. that's sexy. Man, I'm telling you, and here's, here's another one. And a $214,000 contract for the design, engineering, and construction documents for, now this is a good one, James McKnight Park West Improvements. And uh, this design will include a shaded playground, picnic pavilion, disc golf course, and trail, and more. And um, let me just uh, offer this word to those who are residents in that area. We are going to be working uh, with the people who live in the neighborhoods that that surround James McKnight Park just to make sure that we have uh, a, 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 a good situation uh, for them so that they'll be able to enjoy that park as well and not have to worry about overruns regarding traffic and all that stuff. So, you know, Matt Young does a great job as our park director. And that's it. You wrapped up. You were done by eight o'clock. 
you know what? We were done by 8 o'clock, but again now we started at 3.30, so I want to make that that real clear. And also, you know, as we uh, prepare to sign off, let me just say congratulations to all of our local high school students and to their parents because we know that uh, they're graduating and uh, they're going off to a new chapter in their life. So there it is, sir. Thank you very much. And to the residents around that live around the Center for the Performing Arts Traffic going to be a little tough while the graduations are going on. So uh, be uh, be safe out there. And- yeah, and be patient and That's be right. patient. And uh, again, you know, just, just wave at the graduates because they're on their way to a new life. That's right. Mr. Mayor, Michael Evans, great to have you here. We'll see you again in two weeks. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good to be here. Community members and area leaders gathered on Wednesday morning last week at the Mansfield Mission Center as the center received a sizable donation from United Grocers, which owns Market Street here in Mansfield. Mansfield Mission Center Executive Director Dr. Carmen Harris explains what they plan to do with $50,000. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, for starters, um, we have really been working hard to try to expand the uh, the food resources that we're making available to the community. Inflation seems to be continuing um, and increased groceries, especially over the summer months to be able to feed families is really important. So we've expanded our facilities um, for starters and have been able to grow into some new space that we purchased. So um, extensive renovations, um, extensive uh, infrastructure and things, and then of course, food. Um, to be able to supply more food to families in need. Dr. Harris thanked Market Street for their longtime partnership with the Mission Center. They opened their doors in 2018, and really from day one, they've been super invested in this community. Um, We've been very blessed uh, over the years, and in particular uh, during COVID, um, whenever we were really starting to see those surge in numbers of families that were needing some additional food assistance. You know, Market Street had really um, come alongside us They made a very sizable donation in those days as well, in addition to a lot of free donated product um, to be able to stock our shelves. And uh, and not only that, but volunteer hours. You know, they've got a tremendous staff team there. Um, The general manager, Alan Strange, who served on our board for five years and has really been um, very helpful in helping us expand resources and look for new ways to serve the community. And while the Mission Center is feeding the community in general, Common Ground's Feed the Kids for Summer program launched this week and for the next 12 weeks will help put food in the mouths of thousands of hungry youths. Feed the Kids was launched back in 2004 and provides breakfast, lunch, and snacks for seven days for close to 900 children each week throughout the summer. Volunteers unload and stage the food each Wednesday morning, and then the evening crew packs the bags, which are then distributed to eight food pantries in the Mansfield area area, and that's where the kiddos can pick up their meals. The bags contain ready-to-eat foods or ones that only require a microwave to heat since some of the kids may be at home alone while their parents are at work. Feed the Kids will hand out close to 10,000 bags of food this summer, food that was either donated or paid for with donations from local churches, service groups, and individuals at a cost of $100,000. Half-price books got into the act back in 2012, and youngsters can pick up a free book when they received their bag of food. Common Ground is always looking for volunteers and or donations. For more information, you can log on to commongroundmansfield.org. If you have a comment about the show, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, doesn't matter. Give us a call. We have no narrative here. Say what's on your mind. You can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817 817- 
435-2938. This coming Monday, May 29th, is obviously Memorial Day and the unofficial start of summer here in Texas, a day chock full of grilling and swimming, but... It's also a somber day of honoring and mourning the U.S. military personnel who have died while serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. The first national observance of Memorial Day occurred on May 30th, 1868, then known as Decoration Day. The holiday was proclaimed by Commander-in-Chief John A. Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic to honor the Union soldiers who had died in the Civil War. So in between hot dogs, brisket, and potato salad, take a second to remember who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country's freedom. And if you happen to make it out to the National Cemetery in Dallas, say hello to my dad. Let's head on over to the weather desk and check the forecast for the upcoming week. Colleen? We've got about a 20% chance of rain every day for the next 10 days or so. And on Wednesday and Thursday, we'll see a bit more rain overnight. We're looking at a high of 82 degrees Wednesday, 85 degrees Friday, 88 degrees Sunday, and 91 degrees on Tuesday. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Want to know ways to keep your bones healthy? I'm Angel Biasati, and we'll talk about it in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Beth Steinke. In the final episode of our Home Buying in 2023 series, we're going to talk about the psychology of buying today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. In this week's Cocktail of the Week, I'm going to be talking about a cocktail that might make purple your favorite color. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area. And when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction. A Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. With the exceptional amount of rain that we've experienced so far this year, spring is a vital time to clean pool filters, skim leaves and debris, and keep skimmers clean to ensure proper circulation as well as keep your pool sweep in good working condition. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the internet at poolaid.net. That's poolaid.net. We're here for you. 
Congratulations to our latest trivia question winner, Stephen Gillespie. Last week, we asked you to be the first to answer the question, what was the Blessing Funeral Home's two-story building originally used for in 1877? According to visitmansfieldtexas.com, the building was on the western edge of the Mansfield Male and Female College campus, and college founder Dr. John Collier and his family occupied the lower floor, while the upper floor housed some of the female educators and students. Here's an additional piece of trivia. It was the first house in Mansfield to have indoor plumbing. Stephen was the first to submit the correct answer and has won a $25 gift card to the restaurant of his choice. When we come back, this week's trivia question. This is about Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, we are TPM and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is. Time. You know it. Right now, this very second, for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, that again, trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. It's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped the Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find them on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. And I mention this every week. Not every winner submits their answer on Wednesdays. So if you're listening on Thursday, Friday, or sometime over the weekend, give it a shot. You may be taking home a $25 restaurant gift card. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, the Mansfield Independent School District not only has a collection of elementary, intermediate, middle, and high schools, but it also has pre-K, STEM, fine arts, and career and technology academies, as well as an alternative education center and an early college high school. This week's trivia question is, all totaled, how many schools are there within the MISD organization? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, all totaled, how many schools are there within the MISD organization? 
Good luck. And thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, I'm MISD School Board President Courtney Lackey Wilson, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati is here and has the scoop on keeping your bones healthy in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. When you think of osteoporosis, you may assume it's a disease that only impacts older women. You may even put off worrying about your bone health until after menopause. However, keeping bones strong and healthy is important, no matter what your age or your gender. Taking steps now to nurture and build bone mass is important to slow down the bone loss in the future. Dr. Soror, how important are bones in our body? Now, the bones are the support system for the body, uh, so it's very important to keep them strong at every stage in your life. The truth is, uh, the time to start thinking about bone health is now. Uh, when you're young, your body constantly breaks down the old bone and generates new bone tissue. As you get older, the body's ability to build up the bone slows, and you start to lose more than you gain. Most people reach peak bone mass in their 30s. After that, bone density begins to decline in both men and women. For women, bone loss accelerates in the first few years after menopause, and it continues on uh, throughout and after menopause. Uh, Your chances of developing osteoporosis, a condition in which the bones become weak and brittle, are impacted by how much bone mass you build by the age of your 30s and how quickly you lose it later. Peak bone building happens during adolescence and puberty. What can a person do if they want to help prevent bone loss and keep their bones healthy? We like to say they need to bone up uh, on their diet by eating foods rich in calcium and to get plenty of vitamin D, which are both crucial for bone health. Calcium is the building block of bone tissue, and the vitamin D helps your body absorb and process it. Uh, Our skins produce vitamin D uh, when exposed to ultraviolet rays in the sunlight. Drinking fortified milk and eating fish uh, with a lot of unsaturated fat, such as salmon, helps. When it comes to calcium and calcium levels, you want to focus on eating a healthy diet with calcium-rich foods, including milk, yogurt, and cottage cheese. Uh, Soy is a good substitute for those who avoid dairy. Uh, You want to eat green leafy vegetables like kale, broccoli, and spinach, uh, and certain canned fish and seafood like sardines, salmon, mackerel, and tuna. Uh, While juices juices that are uh, enriched with calcium or vitamin D are available, uh, a lot of times it's better to steer clear of these because of the excess sugar. A daily multivitamin and a balanced diet will supply enough of the nutrients the bone needs. Well, Dr. Soror, what can people do if they want to get stronger and have stronger bones? Exercise is one of the main things for stronger bones. Uh, you know, many of us work out because we're worried about our waistlines, uh, but what's really good for uh, for the muscle tone is also good for the bones. Remember, those who exercise regularly uh, usually achieve greater bone mass, meaning their bones are stronger and denser by the time they reach their 30s. Even after menopause, Exercise is important because it can slow down bone loss. A fitness plan that combines weight-bearing exercises and strength training uh, is in your best interest. Uh, Weight-bearing exercises done on your feet require muscle and bones to work against gravity. Examples include fast walking or jogging, tennis, uh, exercise to improve core strength and balance like yoga and Pilates. Um, You want to add strength training with free weights, exercise bands, and exercises that use your own body weight like squats, lunges, and push-ups for your routine. A good tip is to do more repetitions with lower weight to strengthen bones and joints. 
There's no need to overdo it, however. Uh, excessive exercise can cause damage. Well, thank you, Dr. Soror, for helping people have healthier bones for better health. That's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Angel Biasati reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. Realtor Beth Steinke is here to talk about the psychology of buying in the Mansfield real estate market update. What are your beliefs around purchasing a home and how do they affect the home buying process? Just as deep-seated as your beliefs about money, the same is true around your beliefs about home buying. We see this play out when we mention things like an adjustable rate mortgage as an option or a reverse mortgage for a senior struggling to make ends meet. But there are other psychological triggers that create stress and chaos for homebuyers. One of those is FOMO. You know it as the fear of missing out, but I like to call it the fear of missed opportunity. In just about every area of investing or purchasing decisions, this FOMO is hardwired into our brain. We saw this back in 2003 to 2006, where people were doing all sorts of crazy things to buy houses. At that time, I happened to be one of those home buyers, and I was one of those home buyers in California. And we were experiencing crazy run-ups of value and demand for housing, and they were giving mortgages away to everyone. The frenzy it created, though, had everyone doing it, and by it, I mean buying houses. And if they could do it, I could do it, and so we did. And that didn't make a lot of sense, but it does come down to the wiring in our brains from our ancestors. Being left behind meant that you were going to die. So essentially, if your tribe is moving in one direction and you're still standing, and you'll get picked off by the predator or by the enemy of another tribe. And so it's difficult to sit still and think rationally. When two or three of my friends are buying homes, I started to feel like I'm being left behind, and this creates this existential anxiety. And it feeds from your brain's point of view, at least the emotional side of your brain, like I'm going to die if I keep renting, which sounds ridiculous, but that's what happens at a deep emotional level. How do people break free of the grip that FOMO has and other psychological hurdles that are putting a damp on our ability to think rationally during this home buying process? When it comes to all of our financial decisions, my best advice is for you to know that it's okay to have curiosity around what is happening in our market or to explore ideas. What is not okay is to move forward at all costs, even when the signs aren't there that say, yes, it's good, move forward. Have you ever experienced new car fever? The same thing happens for home buyers. They can get this new house fever, and this can cause them not to make some of the best decisions. On the flip side, I've seen folks make decisions not to purchase because they couldn't find the perfect house. We've talked about this before. I had several buyers last year that got frustrated and dropped out of the market. Now today, they won't be able to get back into the market with these interest rates until they come down, and they may never get down far enough for these folks to be able to own a home. With everything swirling around you during the home buying process, it can get emotional. No one can predict the future, but listening to your trusted realtor and lender is a good place to start. They are not emotionally charged, nor are they significantly affected by your decision to buy or not to buy. They really do want what's best for you. So if you're ever put in a position to help someone with these big decisions, ask them some questions. Things like, how long do you plan to own this home? Is the payment comfortable for you? What do you need this next home to do for you? And what do you need this next community to do for you? 
These questions have nothing to do with resale value or market conditions, but rather the person's individualized financial goals. A great deal of apparent life success is wrapped up in home ownership, and it's an important milestone for many people. There can be some significant sensitivity around being a failure if you're renting a home versus owning a home. And I think that has a lot to do with market dynamics about where we live. But in general, we feel the white picket fence house with a yard is the goal when we're starting out as a young person. And sometimes that's not always the best decision for your lifestyle. One way we help our buyers is to explain to them that this home buying is not a process of selection, but rather a process of elimination. We advise first-time home buyers or someone that's moving into an area that's new to them to do some legwork. Now, that might look like getting into the car and driving to the neighborhood multiple times during the day. What kind of ambient noise is coming off of the roadways? And here in Mansfield, how about those train horns? Stop by a local grocery store, a coffee shop, or a library. Talk to the local police to get the straight scoop on crime. I know you're thinking your real estate agent should be able to tell you where the safe neighborhoods are or the less desirable areas that they should avoid. Well, they can. They're just not allowed to. Federal fair housing laws prohibit agents from steering you to or from a neighborhood. If a buyer requests a nice, a good, or a safe neighborhood, a real estate professional could unintentionally steer a client by excluding certain areas based on his or her own perceptions of what those terms mean. That's bias. There's nothing wrong with an agent informing clients about the different neighborhoods in an area. That's part of their job. Strong agents are extremely knowledgeable about their cities, and they understand the ins and outs of every neighborhood like the back of their hands. That's why buyers hire them, for their market expertise. That said, it is not an agent's job to impose their personal opinion onto a buyer's journey. That's where objective information comes in. An agent can offer up information about area resources or uh, school or crime safety data or other important community data. That way, no biases come into play and buyers can make their own informed decisions. Where agents often get in trouble with steering is by warning some buyers to avoid certain neighborhoods because of its so-called high crime and poor schools. Or perhaps an agent might say something like, you won't like it there, it's seedy at night. Well, those kinds of comments can amount to steering and discriminatory practices. You may not know that the Federal Housing Administration takes this kind of thing very seriously. And in fact, they'll send out testers into the marketplace to test agents on this very thing. Fines can be up to $16,000 for the first offense. During the pandemic frenzy, buyers had to move so fast, they didn't have time to get to know the areas that they were buying in. I'm a big fan of driving over, parking your car, walking the neighborhood multiple times a day, and absolutely talk to the neighbors. The neighbors will tell you what they love about living there, and they'll also tell you what they don't like, including the dirt on the HOA, or if there's concerns about any kind of intrusive noise or dogs barking incessantly. So let's get our minds right. Let's do our legwork, pick the right trusted advisors, and buy the house we can comfortably afford. I really appreciate you joining me for this series on home buying. What would you like to learn more about next? Send me a message via email to info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred. Either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain serves up a glass of lemonade like you've never seen before in the Cocktail of the Week. This week's Cocktail of the Week 
is the Indigo Lemonade. A couple of weeks ago, I started a new series on cocktails that I have found on TikTok. This week's cocktail is from at Styled by Daisies. This cocktail really, really caught my eye because it is spectacularly beautiful. But don't worry about taking notes as I'll be giving out the ingredients and instructions and as always posting them on bourbongospel.com. Your ingredients, you're going to need one ounce of an elderflower liqueur. My favorite is St. Germain, but any elderflower liqueur that you like, I'm happy to let you use, like I'm letting you do it. You're going to need two ounces of indigo gin. Indigo gin is going to be found in the liquor store, in the gin aisle. What's going to be super unique about this gin is the absolutely dark purple hue that the gin takes on. Absolutely spectacularly beautiful. And then a good lemonade. If you like Milo's, good for you. If you like Simply Lemonade, also good for you. If you want to make fresh lemonade, hey, fresh is always better. So you're going to need lemonade. To make the cocktail, really very, very simple. One of the simplest ones we've made in a while. You're going to need one ounce of that elderflower liqueur. Pour it into your glass. You're going to then add the lemonade, leaving enough room for your two ounces of indigo gin. Pour the gin over the back of a bar spoon, and that purple hue will settle at the very top of the drink, making it one of the prettiest drinks I've made in a long time. But as always, I'm interested to hear your take and your input. Will you make this at home? Take a picture. Send it to me. As all, You can always reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. I'm Brian Certain. Hi, I'm Katie Hayes, pastor of Galileo Church, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And, you know, one of the hot buttons, the, the, the hot words in education is STEM, which, of course, we all know stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And, and I took a tour of the new YMCA in Mansfield last Wednesday and was treated to a a, a presentation. By the way, if you have not been to the brand new Mansfield YMCA, it's there on Regency Parkway between Heritage Parkway and Broad. Uh, Wonderful place. Eric Tucker up there, the the executive director, has, has put together a great place to, whether it's to go work out or do tumbling or or whatever people do at the YMCA. And so go check them out. But so I was, I was treated to a presentation in that the uh they're going to they're they're working on the 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 back rooms at there to put together a an e-sports center specifically partnering with a company called Stem It Up Sports to offer a STEM center for the community. I, I was so fascinated by this, not only the esports, but then in another room we played with robots. And uh and that was that was a treat. So uh the the presenter that day was was Dr. Tanja Grimble. She's the CEO and founder of Stem It Up Sports. And and I thought, you know what? I gotta have her on the podcast. So <laughs> Dr. Tanja Grimble, welcome to About Mansfield. Oh, thank you. That was great. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. First of all, describe what what is what is Stem It Up Sports. Okay. 
So STEM It Up Sports is an actual opportunity for students to come and be innovative with code. And we like to take a tech and turn it into a sport, sort of like our robotic football league that we're doing this year. Um, and then just have competitions, which you most likely would see at, you know, first Lego leagues or VEX competitions. This mm-hmm. is more of a computer science competition. And so we partnered with Sphero, which is a company that produces these robots that we use. They actually are a company that, that was used um, through Disney. Um, and so Disney, uh, in the Star Wars movies, they actually use these robots. And so they came from there and did their own independent company, educational company, where they build these robots and allow students to actually code them. And so I wanted to take that experience and provide that to students that don't normally have exposure to this, to actually use those quality materials, um, the curriculum that we have involved with that. And so that's what you were playing with when you came to the actual center. That's the little the little ball that's controlled by the, the iPad. Yeah, like a tablet or a yeah. phone, you can, you can control it there. And so so you can use that to do various missions, um, opportunities. There's, they do so much. They swim in water. Uh, we host a camp in the summer that mm-hmm. provides an actual you know, opportunity for students to be exposed to those. Um, and we also provide an opportunity for them to win a little mini version of those, uh, those little robots. So, and and these, the, it, it's not just for kids, though. No. It's because not. you told us you told a story about a ninety something year old yes. man who started playing with these robots. Yes. Can you tell yeah, the, the I can story? Tell you about yeah, that. <laughs> you, you've got a whole big listening audience out there. Tell the story about this ninety-year-old man. So we do. We provide robotics from ages four all the way up through senior citizens. Mm-hmm. The purpose is to decrease their chances of Alzheimer's and dementia. And so I go to a lot of senior citizen programs where um, and assistant living programs where I provide um, computer science robotics to those those participants for about three days. Uh, consecutively. And so it's important that they come consecutive because then there's things that they have to do prior from prior learning from the day before. So it just really helps them in that process. And so we, um, I had a 96-year-old that's my oldest participant to date, which wow. is, I'm really proud of that. And uh, we were teaching them how to do polygons. And this is where they had to actually make the robot make these different shapes. So, you know, five five-sided shapes, seven-sided shapes. And uh, this this particular um, senior, he was in a wheelchair, had the tablet, was moving around, and he could calculate these polygons to make these, these shapes with these robots like nobody's business. Then we found out at the end, um, he was a math teacher. And so that's wow. what made it <laughs> so much easier for him to do the math in his head. That mental math was was easier for him. We, we were using our calculators just to see if he was right, and he was. And he you know? was right. So, um, so it was a great opportunity um, to see the seniors really get engaged in that. I mean, to the point where I've hired a senior to, on my staff um, because she loved the program so much. Followed me around with her grandson at all of my camps last year, until one day I said you should come and work for me. You know everything about this program, you know, come and work for me and then, you know, enjoy this a lot longer. And so she she currently is part of my staff and she enjoys uh, working with me. And there was an unexpected outcome that we didn't, we didn't foresee. And that was grand grandparents, you know, getting, uh, having a connection with their grandkids yeah. because it was code. So it was a great combination. We love doing it. As a teenager learning to play with robots, which includes 
learning how to write code. What are the benefits to a teenager learning to write code? Oh my gosh, come 2030, there's going to be so many jobs that require some sort of form of code, right? Mm -hmm. And if you want to get in the field of engineering or any of these types of fields, they really want students to kind of learn this process. If a teen starts now with just dibbling into it, they may find all of these different professions that are out there that they can then go into and create website design. Um, you can do all types of machinery. There is there is an AI format that's coming out that someone has to code to make it to where we can use a lot of AI. But there's so many careers, broadcasting, any type of, you know, um, computer science that's out there, compute biomedical um, programs. These are just great, just a few of the programs that these kids can be a part of. People who play games and get into writing codes, they become strategists, they Mm -hmm. become content creators, they become entrepreneurs, and they become organizers. And of those four categories, there are are subcategories who they branch out to. For instance, the entrepreneurs, you mentioned web developers, Mm -hmm. they could be marketers, they could be corporate sponsors, they could be business developers. It's not just playing with robots. Right. And that's the, the important thing. It's that when you are the, the the four to say four through the end of high school, four mm-hmm. through seventeen, mm-hmm. really is a learning center. But you you learn through play. Yes, yes. This is something we teach in early childhood: is learn through play. That yeah. practicum experience is mm-hmm. everything. Um, I don't want a space where I can't engage with kids, and they engage in the process and do a lot of design thinking. Um, you know creative thinking, all of these things need to happen in that space. So we love it when they can do some hands-on practicum, and we know that this is the best way that kids learn. The robots, we, we talked about that, and then as we moved into the the other room, the larger room at the mm-hmm. Y, which is going to be transformed into the eSports and I know there are a lot of parents out there who, come on, parents, embrace the future. Your kids are already playing sports on their computer. This can be a tremendous opportunity where not only are they going to be able to play sports, but what, talk about this room that that is yeah. eventually going to be transformed. So here, here's how it all came to be. So I'm also a professor, in, you know, on my off time, whenever that is. <laughs> um, and so I had some students that were waiting outside of my class one time, and they were playing games on their computer, you know, and they, they they were having a great time. They were like, we got five minutes. We got three minutes. You know, this is before they can come to my class. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, you know, these kids are really having this great time sitting outside my class waiting for class to start and just doing something that's just so organic, you know, so much fun. And I got to thinking, man, I remember when I went to the arcades. Oh, yeah. And we got dropped off. And when we were there... We could play, put our coins in all these machines. And when we didn't have any more money, we were watching our teammates or our friends get to a higher level on one of the games. And it was just pure fun. This is what esports is to these kids today. And if parents could go back in time when they remember that moment, they they can embrace what they're trying to do now. It's just a different form of arcades. It's just happening now in their room. And what we want to try to do is take them out of their rooms in that isolation mode and get them into an, an area where they can start making relationships, building friendships, building um, 
you know, that character that goes into a relationship. Because when you go into workspace, you're not going to be by yourself. Right. You have a, a room of people that are going to be there working with you. Not unless you do something as an entrepreneur where you're always by yourself, but even then you have to connect to someone. And something as simple as a high five speaks volumes when it, to, to, to a teenager who's yep. been cooped up in their room. Yes, that uh, oh, I just broke the high score and someone comes up and gives you the high five or even you know a little pat on the back. The social aspect mm-hmm. is has got to be tremendous. You know, there's never been any sport where it's played by themselves and no one ever is around. You, you name me one sport that's out there right now that a spectator can just do and they never have to get a cheer from anyone to get that. I mean, there's not one. Boxing, there's probably two only two people in the ring, but you got a whole lot of people around cheering them on. Yeah. The same thing with esports. You want to have someone to cheer you on when you're doing something really fun and engaging and you beat the, the next level or you beat that other team. You want to have that that type of circle of excitement. And that's what an esports lab provides. The esports lab. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not just kids playing sports. Right. Or esports, because you've got uh, you've you've got announcers, you've got people who are running equipment, you've got um, I don't know what are some of the other. Uh, <laughs> so you have you have announcers and broadcasters. Yeah. You also have those that actually design the, the interview process. There's also a digital component to it. So if you have teams that plan the broadcast live then there's a digital aspect to it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you go to a fo- when you watch a football game, they put the player up on the screen and they they provide all their stats. This has to happen in esports too for an actual team. Their pitchers go up on the on the screen for someone who's watching it live and live could be students across the world looking at it. But this is their idea of just enjoying it and learning the tricks that you know most teams do and it's just a spectator sport at that point, right? Um, but uh, the other part of it is, as a commentator, you got to make it funny too. You got to keep keep them, you know, excited to watch it. So engaged and entertained, engaged in every way. It's just like <laughs> any sport we're watching. They, they the commentators are saying something that's funny. You have to constantly be providing them feedback on what they're looking at in order to make it more exciting. Yeah. When do you think the esports? facility will be available uh, to, to, to open to the public? So currently right now, the space needs to be completely renovated so that we can be able to level the floor out and give it this arena feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to go into, if you go into any esports, you don't want to go into a space that's not prepared for spectators to watch, you know, the players to kind of be on stage and actually have a, a whole viewpoint, and then an area where kids can kind of lounge. So we have to kind of renovate that, and I'm looking currently looking at any investors that want to come in and actually just kind of put their footprint on that mm-hmm. and just kind of help us get that space prepared for this kind of environment. And once that's done, we've got to outfit it with tons of things and equipments that run really fast and has a really great connection um, for the games that we want to we want to host on those those games. Uh, and also soft materials. The lighting has to be right. It's got to look moonlight. It's got to be exciting. Yeah. You know, think about when you went into an arcade, there was lights and things happening everywhere. It sounds Bells really brought you. Yes. And, and I even say that to my adults that like to go to the casino. When you go in there, what attracts you? There's all of this, ding, 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 you know, sound. Like there's all of this hype, the lights and everything. You've got to set the ambiance like that for kids. Otherwise, they're not going to get excited about it. 
Have you been consulting kids in the design and and not only the design, but then also the equipment? Uh, that's, I mean, the kids are going to be ultimately they're going to be using it. And, so I have I've actually consulted a lot of esports gamers that mm-hmm. are currently in it currently, and so they're either in college and in an esports league, and so I've contacted them and said, hey, okay, tell me what about the space do you really love and why? You know, what draw drew you to it? And uh, most of them, the common theme was that. I didn't have anything like this in my home. And and so I was like, oh, okay. So you you before this you didn't go to an arena. Like, no, we didn't go to any space like this. I was only doing this in my room. Yeah. Or my mom would put together an event and we would all bring our computers and consoles over in a garage and have an actual event. So that was uh I was getting feedback from them from that. And then I have some high schools that just they've never been to an esports, you know, arena. So they don't really know what they want to see in the space. And so it's just kind of a, you know, it's a one end and the other. And it and it and so it just took me having to go to more more arena spaces to kind of feel get the feel of it and understand what they're, you know, what they put in that space. And then I find out little kids to adults come there to play. I mean, it's just it, it's so inviting for all, you know? So you've been to esports in Arlington. Yep. And Fort Worth. Yes. And so you, you... I've also been to Exposure. That's over in in Duncanville. I don't know what Exposure See? is. See? Yeah. And then UNTD. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I've been to four. <laughs> I've been to four different ones so I can check them all out because I want to get the best of all of them, right? To learn from... Right. Yes. To, learn and, from the best. That's right. You mentioned investors. Yes. Uh, because this is... A, a, it takes money to put this together. Yes. Uh, you let's go first to the smaller room where the little robots, uh, yes. the, the 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 little orbs are. <laughs> what does it cost to renovate this this smaller room? That uh, we're, we'll get into the esports in just a second. So you're looking at about you know five thousand to outfit it and get it ready for students to actually come and do their robotics instruction. Um, a lot of that space is really about us doing a lot of computer science programming. There is some engineering component that would go with that, but this space is also a multiple use. So we definitely want to make sure that it's it's flexible and that things can be moved out of the way and back. Um, but in this space, you'll have robots, you'll have rovers, we'll have drones. There's so much that can happen in that space. Those tablets are what we would use to help the kids code. And then once they, they code, they're ready to perform. Um, and you need an open space for the robots to do what they what they normally do. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That big open room, uh, again, playing with this, this, this little ball looking thing. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was only really about, about uh, what, about three inches in mm-hmm. diameter. It was mm-hmm. pretty small, but, uh, you, you handed me a, a, a tablet and with my finger, I was able to direct this ball around the room, mm-hmm. uh, as it uh, traverses around the, on the floor, but it, you can go deeper into this, this yes. tablet of, all right, I wanted to go straight for, for seven seconds and then make a left turn. And mm-hmm. then this is where you get into coding. Right. I would assume the 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 big ball in Star Wars. I don't recall if it was C three PO. Yeah, or, I know. Or, or the <laughs> yeah. or R two D. Maybe R two D two. Maybe it was R two D two. Yeah, <laughs> that I would assume that was robotic. That was being programmed by yeah. something similar. Yes, that's fascinating. <laughs> it uh, is. So someone out there's got to have a five thousand dollar check to 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 help you put this yes. this room together. Let's go back to the bigger room, the esports room. Yes. 
where you've got uh, sofas and beanbag chairs and flat screen TVs and gaming computers and monitors and consoles and sound systems and cameras. Uh, this one takes a little more. Um, yes. This one this, takes, this is a little bit more capital. You're looking at about a hundred thousand if you're when you're adding in the demo that might needs that, that needs to go into it, mm-hmm. and the other seventy, you know, seventy of that would go into just putting all of the equipment in it that's going to be state of the art. It's really about um, you need a safe space for them to come into and already be ready to engage in this play space because it is already very aggressive and it's exciting for the kids. But this, if they want to have a league, they need to have everything outfitted that's that's perfect for the league and can support all the games that they plan to play. Does that make sense? It it does. And that the room really has to be game ready before the first person walks in. Exactly. If the first student walks in and it's only half ready, that word's going to get around that, yeah, you know, yeah. it was, it's a nice place, but it wasn't ready yet. Right. And, and you've already then got a mark right. in the community. Right. And when you go to some of the, this is going to be the only center in the Mansfield area that offers both a robotic component and an e-space component for teens that need a place to go. Okay. We want to, I mean, if you start looking at the news, that's all we're hearing about is teens and mental illness. They may not want to go to school. They may, there's a lot of different things that play part in this. But if we can provide a safe space, um, as much as I know, there's not a lot of arcades where we just drop off kids anymore. And then a lot of kids don't want to play those games. Right. So esports is now their area of, of, of interest. And for the ones that don't do esports, computer and um, robotics is, is another space that they can go into. So it really feeds both of the souls. 100,000. 100,000. To, uh, to renovate that room, yeah. which, uh, which I can see. It's a huge room. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what used to be before it was the YMCA, it was, I believe it was some type of call, call center. center. Mm-hmm. So they've got all these little booths that need to be demoed right. to literally just make a flat room. Yeah. And, and you can build up from that. And build up from that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if you leave it the way it is, you limit the number of kids that can come in and, and engage. Right. Um, we want to have a space where kids can get innovative we want to have a space where we can talk about careers and kids can actually play to those careers. I mean, you've got to be a director. You've got to be an IT specialist. You've got mm-hmm. to be all of these things for this, this eSports Center. And we want kids to operate it. We want them to have an opportunity to bridge that, that connection. So that way they can have these you know, live eSports competitions or tournaments. And now they're a part of the process. They're an event coordinator at that point. So now they're hosting that. Right. It's a real labor of love that we want the community to be a part of. And they come in and they actually kind of help run the show and learn a little bit about themselves, become leaders, and what that looks like. And I would assume that uh, you know a, 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 a high school kid can learn maybe can learn robotics at, at Ben Barber. Yeah. But not everybody goes to Ben Barber. That's right. And because not everybody can get into Ben Barber. That's right. And so this is an opportunity that, you know, oh, my my kid is, my kid's pretty smart when it comes to computers. Mm-hmm. And he loves the e-games, the e-sports and, and things like that. This gives you another avenue to, number one, get the kid out of the house, <laughs> yeah. uh, go socialize with, with like-minded people. Yes. So you are collaborating with the school district. Mansfield ISD. Yeah, we're at Cherry Night a lot. Okay. Yes, that's the start, yeah. Um, uh, UTA. 
yep. also has a tremendous robotics. They sure do. And so you are collaborating with UTA that's as well. The, that's the hope. We've got a couple of people that we're trying to connect with at UT, UTA so that we can at least get a lot of their students on. But we do know that UNTD is is going to be an actual partner that will come in and actually collaborate and mentor some of our esports students. Um, we have Sphero as a partner that will actually come in and do some things with robotics. I think that's important. Um, to offer this as a field trip opportunity for students during the day mm-hmm. is huge. If I go, like you said, if I go to a school and they don't offer the the computer science on a regular basis, then my teacher, their whole class can come and visit the STEM center and get an exposure that they would not be able to get for, you know, first half of the day of of school with robotics, esports, learn all the different careers. There's a whole component that they can do in that that short time frame. Um, we, We plan to do what's called a teacher feature where teachers can actually come and provide instruction on on an air, a topic area that they're most passionate about in STEM. And these kids can actually do that. Now, this is a topic area that is not required of them in their classroom. But if they have an area that they want to, you know, teach them on micro bits, come in and teach that. Because there's some kids that have never used micro bits before. What is what is a micro bit? You know, exactly. Some... I'm thinking that was my, my question. Was... The, you know, micro bits are... The actual, you know, um, little small consoles that you see in, in like, you know, arenas and the name, the, the lettering will go across an oh, arena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So someone codes to make that happen. You know, mm-hmm. they have to actually type it in. They have to actually code it. Those are micro bits. Um, and so you can put, you can do so much with those things. I mean, our red lights, you know, are using those, um, you know, our lighting systems. So there's a lot of areas that are using micro bits, but not a lot of people know that. And this is a way for kids to kind of code it. If they're art designers, you can do that tech art. That's part of what those micro bits do for you. Um, but there's just so much that's in this that you you would never expect. Um, and, and and until kids get a chance to have a space where they can actually dive into that, yeah. they won't ever know it. I just learned this the other day. I was watching the Dallas Stars game last Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they've got all this advertising on the, the walls of the rink. But the players on the rink don't see that, that it's actually put in uh, uh, in the camera, uh, in the in the truck, in the production truck. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to learn how to program all that. <laughs> yes. And that's also a part of, of I would assume that's micro bits. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a form of computer science. Uh, a friend of mine, he works in um, lighting, okay? Yeah. And so um, for concerts, he travels around and he programs all the lights to come on at a certain time when, you know, a concert or the performer is playing. And if they move over to this part of the you know stage, you only just need one person to move the spotlight. Right. But if there's anything else happening in that where the lights are doing something, he has to program it in, on time. He does all that programming. He tests it. He leaves out. They all they got to do is press start when the show hits. That's 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 amazing. Yeah. If someone wanted to reach out to Stem It Up Sports or you specifically, Doctor Tanja Grimble, if they they want more information on Stem It Up Sports, if mm-hmm. they want more information on maybe how they can uh, help contribute uh, to. Uh, the production of these these two rooms at the YMCA. How mm-hmm. can they reach out to you? So they can go to our website, which is um, at stemitupsports.com, where they can actually see a GoFundMe account that will allow them to either share with other people or even donate if they'd like to. These are combined 
you know, partnership with the YMCA. So we are in partnership in trying to provide the STEM center for this, this community. And so they can go there and learn more about us, learn about what we do. Um, they can easily stop in and see the space anytime they want. So they can, when they go to that site, they can actually uh, find my email address and they can actually email me and we can take them on a tour if they're interested in investing and want to see more of the space. Stemitupsports.com. Yep. Simple as that. As simple as that. I can't wait to see. Can, can I come play games when it's yes, ready? Yes, you can. You, I, I insist that you come and play. I look forward to it. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will talk in studio with yet another fine Mansfield resident. You'll just have to tune in to find out who it is. As always, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already. So you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Science reporter, Dennis Webb. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening on behalf of the entire news team. I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. <laughs>